For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Well, welcome back to the Uncommon Drive Podcast. Uh, I'm Chad Ozy, and I'm here with Jeff Cross. Hey, everybody. And we are excited to be sharing with you again. And today, uh, Jeff, we're kind of going to... Um, current events. Mm. Um, we're recording this on a Friday, uh, Friday, October 15th. And for those of you that have followed uh, any of the uh, postseason Major League Baseball uh, action that's been going on, you know there was something a little bit controversial that happened last night. So we're going to talk a little bit of baseball here at the beginning of this. But if you're a basketball referee or you work in another sport, I'm going to ask you to kind of hang with us here for a little bit because mm. I promise uh, we are going to uh, button hook this into something that affects all of us. Mm-hmm. But just to set the stage in case somebody's listening uh, a couple weeks or a couple months down the road, um, last night we had an entire series that ended on a strike three call. Uh, but it ended on a check swing appeal mm-hmm. strike three call. Mm-hmm. Not something that happens very often, mm-hmm. uh, especially not to, to walk off a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we had a right-handed batter, uh, right-handed batter, uh, started a swing, stopped a swing. Uh, they appealed down to the first base umpire. The umpire there says, yes, he went. That strike three, game's over. Um, just so that everybody, just in case you're not a, a baseball umpire, so that everybody's on the same page here, um, the wording of that rule for baseball umpires is very specific. Um, it is not... Uh, it's not what everybody thinks it is. Some mm. people think that it's a strike if the batter breaks his wrists. Some people thinks it's a think it's a strike if the bat goes past the front corner of the plate. Neither of those things is correct. The rule book says that we are to make a judgment of whether or not the batter offered at the pitch. Now that's the same. It's the exact same <laughs> wording whether you're talking little league baseball. Or we're talking Game 7 of the World Series mm-hmm. in Major League Baseball. Uh, 
Um, and so because of that, it is it is truly a judgment call. Right. And it's a judgment call that one doesn't happen a ton. Two, um, it's one of those things that you kind of have to feel it. You know, yeah. it, it's it's not just a, a look thing with your eyes, but you got to feel did did that person try to hit that ball or not? Um, and uh, the umpire made the the judgment that he did. Um, and now today on social media and on ESPN and every other sports outlet you can find, there are people that want this guy fired. I've mm. seen that out there. There are people that say he's one of the three worst umpires in Major League Baseball, so he should be dropped down to the minor leagues, and the top three guys from the minor leagues should get promoted to the major leagues next mm. year, so which proves that nobody knows how this stuff works. <laughs> right. There's minor league umpires that work Major League Baseball all year long. Yeah, right. Uh, they're called call-up umpires. <laughs> um, we, have, uh, we have people that are agreeing with the call, and even on umpire sites, there are people that disagree with the call. There are people that agree with the call. And uh, we live in a day and age where as sports officials, everything gets challenged. Mm-hmm. Everything gets critiqued. And so we're going we're gonna to use this as a launching point today, Jeff. Um, as sports officials, how do we handle this new age where there's video somewhere? Mm-hmm. And like I just said, it's it's a quick look. It's a gut feeling. But everybody else can slow it down in slow-mo. And everybody else has 10 different camera angles to look at this, to make their determination. And then not only are they determining whether or not the call was right, but now they're determining whether this guy even deserves the opportunity to work the game. Mm-hmm. Tell me, as somebody that's been doing this for a while and really seen some transition you know, in the sports world, mm-hmm. how do we deal with this? Yeah, it's, you know, it's hard. It's hard, hard, hard. As as an official who's made a decision right, wrong, or indifferent, you know, I, we say, I've said this for a number of years, and I'm sure you've heard me say it, but, you know, this, this day of video review and video, I, I love it. I think there's some really great things here. But the the unfortunate thing is, on live action plays, we get one blink at a play. That's it. As soon as those announcers said, oh, I don't know about that, they replayed it. They've already seen it double the amount of times that the umpire made the call on. Just like that. That's a big... And then they probably watched it one more time. And you know, and then their confidence got bigger and bigger as they saw it. And as it's been played over all the news outlets... Now everyone is convinced that he that he got this play wrong. Mm-hmm. This this guy at first base, I don't even know who it was because I don't follow these names like I used to back in the day. But he had one instant to make a decision. That's it. Mm-hmm. And we have to, you know, our training, um, our training prepares us for these instances and. I don't know how we can fix it. I don't know that it is fixable, except for we just need to understand everyone is passing judgment on this umpire on five, six, seven, sometimes even 20 more times of seeing the play, and they convince themselves every time they see it more and more, yep, he got it wrong, he got it wrong, when really all you're doing is doing more. Yeah, maybe if this guy got a chance to see it 20 times, maybe you might get it right or what you perceive to be right. Um, but I, I, there is no chance that I would want anyone else at first base 
If anyone else thinks they can do it better, this is me speaking to other umpires that are that are bashing these guys and gals that are on TV and they make what they perceive to be a mistake, then put down your keypad, come out from behind the screen, and try it yourself. I dare you. It's very, very difficult. And it's it's so disheartening that we have people out here that are just, you know, throwing their two cents in because they can hide behind the keyboard. But really, they don't have enough courage to even put on a striped shirt, let alone do it at the level that this guy's doing it at. Well, and you know, Jeff, for me personally, I can probably deal with Joe Schmo uh, sitting behind a keyboard and critiquing a whole lot easier than I can take other sports officials mm, truth. hopping on truth. and critiquing like that. Um, you know, I've seen sports officials from other sports jump in mm-hmm. who who have no idea what it's like to make that call. I've had other baseball umpires, which blows my mind even more. Mm-hmm. You know, they're jumping, oh, there's no way I would have called that. I can't believe he did that. Yada, 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 yada. Um, and I just think that within the, the brotherhood and sisterhood of sports officiating, we need to have better care for one another oh, yes. than that. You know, we're, 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 we're not taking... We're, we're we're not taking in account that people do make mistakes. Mm-hmm. They it happens. Sure, it is very much a part of life. Every day in our school building, you know, we have many teachers that make wrong decisions about you know sending a kid home with homework or you know sending a kid in for detention. You know, it happens all the time. People make mistakes. No one is perfect or infallible, right? No one. So. Why are we expecting this gentleman to be perfect? And, you know, that same can apply for the people that are, that are spouting out and going, but we, you, you're doing this with a purpose now. You're spouting out with a purpose of, you know, drawing attention to this gentleman or guy or gal, whoever it is, you know, whoever is making a mistake. Look how bad they are. Man, that is, I don't want to, I don't want to be around those people. I don't, because I'll tell you a story. I remember being at a high school basketball game and it was a big holiday tournament and I was just watching and I was watching my referee friends and a friend of mine came up and I was just standing in the doorway. I was standing in the doorway and this guy came up and he was watching the game and then all of a sudden something happened he didn't like and he started spouting out, yelling out. I literally just looked at him and said, I'll see you later and left. I don't want to be around that. And if you think you can do this and be around those people that are always or even sometimes spouting out against other umpires, you're making a big mistake because all you'll do is keep on doing that and you will be associated with that because that's why I left because I did not want for any referee or anyone that knows me in the building go, yeah, he's friends with that guy that's yelling at the referee. So he must do it too. And I just think that's bad. So I don't even know what the question was. I'm 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 a little frustrated, Chad. Sure. That this happens. You know, we've had many many situations this postseason. Yep. And all really within the last few days, um, all because everyone thinks that they Googled a rule that now they're an expert on the rules and they have zero training or minimal training. Listen, I, I'm umpire Pony League World Series. That's the incorrect call. Really, there's a big difference between the Pony League World Series. And 40,000 people in a stands at the, you know, game five of yep. a series. 
Well, and let, let's take this one one more step here. Let's let's just say for the sake of argument. Okay. And and I've, I've seen the play once. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've read about it. Um, but let's just say that he made an incorrect call. Okay. Okay. Um, there, there's two different directions I'd like to go with this. One is that um, if if he made an incorrect call during that game, that's called being human. Mm-hmm. And most of the sports that we still play, most of the team sports that we still play uh, in our current culture have an element of human error to them. Yep. And with every time that somebody talks about taking the human error out of the game, my argument is always you're going to add in just as much human error as you remove. Mm-hmm. If they go to a robo strike zone, mm-hmm. which I'm convinced they will. Sure. I absolutely think they will. Guess what? There's still going to be a human element to it because the strike zone is not the same for every batter. Mm-hmm. My, my knee height is different than somebody else who's my same height. Okay, I'm about 6'2", just a little bit better. I have really short legs, so the bottom of my strike zone is much lower right. than a guy who has really tall legs and whose knees are 8 inches yeah. higher than mine, even mm-hmm. though we're the exact same height. Right. So it changes things about the strike zone for each individual batter. So somebody has to be in a booth somewhere drawing out by pixel what the strike zone is for each batter. And guess what? If they draw it a half inch high or a half inch low... It now changed the strike zone for that person, and it adds in human error. There will always be, for things like that, some element of human error. And even in areas where they're able to reduce human error. So, for instance, if if you watched Wimbledon this last year, if you're a a tennis fan, you'll notice that they have lasers Mm -hmm. that call the lines Mm -hmm. for them. But do you know they still have line judges out? And the reason is, is that those lasers... Can malfunction. That's right. And anybody, that, anybody had their internet go out. That's right. It, it goes happens. out all time. And so, if that if that laser doesn't make the call, then a human still mm-hmm. has to make the call, and that human may get the call right. Mm-hmm. That human may get the call incorrect. And so, I, I think it's really important that we, especially as officials, mm-hmm. when we're looking at this, I would love it if everybody could. But I get those people are arguing from their heart, not from their head. Mm -hmm. Most of them are fans of one team or another, and they're arguing based on what they want, not Mm -hmm. what they should be seeing. But for those of us who are sports officials, we need to look at it more through our head, you know, and and there needs to be an understanding of that. The second thing is, for most of us that are sports officials, we are not operating at the level of that umpire. Absolutely. Right? We're not even close. We, we are nowhere mm-hmm. close. And I don't care what the sport is that we work. Mm-hmm. We are not that close. Yep. It ought to make us feel so good mm-hmm. to know that even somebody who is that good can occasionally make a mistake. How about it, right? Because yep. guess what? In my game this week, I'm going to make, I, I have I have a high school football game. I'm going to go work tonight. Yep. And I can just about guarantee you, I'm going to make a mistake. Not because I want to, mm-hmm. not because I haven't prepared, not because I don't know the rules, but because... Just life teaches me that it's very rare to go through a game without making a mistake. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so that ought to help us as officials as we understand that in our constant strive for excellence, not perfection, That's but right. that striving for excellence, that it's okay to not be perfect. Mm-hmm. It, it's part it's part of the deal. 
It's yeah. part of the deal. Once you step on, you strap on the uniform, whatever uniform that might be, excellence is what you should be aiming for, not perfection, because you're just not going to do it. You know, I remember Joe West, uh, you know, some people may not like him, whatever, I don't care, but he made a, he said something about, there was a question about review, you know, replay, and what do you think about having replay in the game? Because I love it. He goes, yeah, why is that? He said, it proves that we're right 97% of the time. That's right. They don't, they, no one thinks that they're right. Because all they do is look at this one check swing yep. that he may or may not got right. And now they think that he missed everything. That's, I mean, he's he's he went the whole night being perfect. He's went the whole year, you know, earning that position. So, you know, they're not even taking in their body of work. And unfortunately, we're we're living in these worlds now. We're we're living in a, in a situation to where, if I have a teacher that mess up, we have parents asking for resignations on these teachers. Yeah. Or you know whatever it is, and but we don't treat young kids like that. He, well, he was just, he was in a sporting event. He was, his emotions were wrapped up. He, yes, he probably shouldn't have thrown his helmet at the other player, but he did. So let's give him a break. Mm-hmm. Somebody types an email or a post that no one likes. And now all of a sudden we want to, we want the resignation. Well, and let's, let's also take a look at this right now within major league baseball postseason, the home plate umpires have been right at 96% accurate. Okay. Out of, we're, I don't even know the ninety six percent accurate, but I'm just taking a guess at two hundred pitches per team, so around four hundred pitches. What, what they're saying is right now is that because you don't have to actually make a call on every one of those pitches because those pitches are swung at okay, things sure. like that, right? Okay, yeah. But they're saying on average that means missing less than six pitches per game, and you're right. There's three to four hundred pitches being thrown. You have to track all of them, whether they're swung on or mm-hmm. not. Right. And so, out of all of those, mm-hmm. okay, we're missing somewhere between five and six pitches. Take the number of that. Let's just go with the percentage for a second. I grew up in a school where a ninety-six percent was an A. Valedictorian. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, you're top of the class. That's solid stuff, mm-hmm. right? I would say if you had a ninety-six percent sales success mm-hmm. at your job, mm-hmm. you would be the salesperson of the century, not yep. just the salesperson of the year. Right. If you had 96% of your students mm-hmm. that were getting passing grades, you're going to be teacher of the year. If mm-hmm. you had a 96% you know, success rate <laughs> as the, the billing supervisor at the hospital, guess yep. what? Mm-hmm. You are getting bonuses like crazy. Most my of my us kid comes home with a 96 on his test. I'm patting him on the back. We're going out for dinner. We're doing all that stuff. That's right. We, we forget that at any other job, 96% is absolutely astounding. Mm-hmm. We would love to be 96% people. Yep. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Right. We're not 100, mm-hmm. but we're 96%. You gave a statistic a couple years ago. You said that um, during March Madness, so just during the tournament, mm-hmm. they did um, they did video review of all the calls that were made in that tournament. And, and the accuracy was like unbelievable. Yeah, it was 94, that was? 94, 93, yeah. 94%. It might have been 95, but and that was for the whole tournament. And they and they judged everything, you know, in, incorrect no call, correct no call, correct call, correct, you know, all that stuff. So they did them all. And again, well, you just let's just take that. Again, we are at the human element. Mm-hmm. Someone, some human being is rewatching the video and they are passing judgment on whether or not we've got the call correct. Sure. 
and they have better information than we do on the court mm-hmm. because they're going to have multiple angles. Yep. They're going to be able to slow it down. They're going to be able to do all those Watch things. Watch it four or five times. That's right. But even with that, mm-hmm. there's still a potential for human error. Mm-hmm. So I think that as as we think about this, and it's obvious because it's it's crunch time in Major League Baseball because yeah. this is teams going home, mm-hmm. right? But for those of us that are doing our fall college baseball right now, it could be the difference between a kid getting cut or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so that game, that fall game might mean something to that kid that's mm-hmm. just as big mm-hmm. as whether or not you were cheering for the Giants or the Dodgers. Sure. Right? Yep. Um, when we move into the college basketball season, you know, that could be every game that an athlete takes the floor could be their last game. How many injuries have we seen that, mm. that ends a kid's career or whatever? And so, you know, every game, it means something huge. And we could say, oh, this is going to be a 30-point blowout. No, it's it's huge to somebody. There's somebody that's going to get in the game because it's a 30-point blowout that mm. may never see the court the rest of the year. It means a ton to yeah. them, right? It, it could be even a Juco that is in this, uh, you know, his or her sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And it's trying to get into a four-year college. Absolutely. And you know that it that the whatever the coach from Illinois is, they're watching. Oh yeah. You know, or they're watching. I'm sending this film, and I need this coach to see me. So, and it's we we tend to do that. Oh, well, it means nothing. Nope. It only means nothing to some people, but it means a lot to a lot more people. I was really fortunate enough to get to go watch a preseason exhibition game at the University of Michigan a couple of years ago. And it was a Division II school playing University of Michigan. You talk about David and Goliath, mm-hmm, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. And this, this is not David and Goliath's story where David won. Mm-hmm, of course, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Goliath stomped on David's head, bashed his brains yeah. out. I mean, it was, it was bad, right? But those players from that Division II school, you should have seen just how much fun they had that night. Because mm. they were in a Big Ten arena. Sure. The Big Ten mm-hmm. band was playing. Yep. It was the environment right. like it was a regular season game, right? Yep. And so it matters what we do on the court, on the field. And and I think we need to be to be considering that every time we go out there. And then even more, as we look at what other people do. And let's let's reserve those comments for private conversations. Yeah. Let's let's have those if we can use those for teaching tools. Okay, let, let's say they determined that that call was wrong. Well, man, let's use that in training this next year. Let's mm-hmm. take it to a clinic. Let's right. do whatever. Let's say, okay, what could we have done to have seen this different? Mm-hmm. What you know that that's great, but because that's not bashing someone, that's using someone's mistake so that I don't make a mistake. And if I made a mistake, I want somebody else to learn from it so they don't make the same. That's exactly one. right. And if you're if you're truly striving for excellence, let's use this situation in the off season or whenever in that, like you said, camp or clinics. And try and get more people closer to excellence. Yeah. That's what we need to do. Absolutely. Now, another thing that we've seen kind of within our, our current culture right now, uh, we've seen some some real questions about sportsmanship, mm-hmm. especially uh, at the junior high and high school level. You know, how many how many points is too many points to win a junior high basketball game by? Mm-hmm. You know, is right. twenty points too many? Is thirty points too many? Is forty points too many? Uh, you brought up uh, an article uh, from just this last week. I believe it was happened in Indiana, yep. where there was a high school soccer team uh, that won a game sixteen to nothing. Uh, t- tell me, just give us a little bit of background so, of that game. B- basically, yeah, this this high school soccer team beats an, a a no win soccer team hasn't won a game all year long, and they went out and beat them sixteen to nothing. 
you know, that's the long and the short of it. The athletic director, superintendent of some of the losing school took offense to it and basically said they came out and they tried to do that on purpose. That's what they were doing. There's no room for that in high school sports. That was the, you know, scenario. We lost by 16. You shouldn't have done that to us. We're mad. Now we're telling you we're mad. And there are probably some other things going on with it too. But that's the long and the short of it. My question is, and I, when someone sent this to me, I was like, okay, first of all, what's the magic number then? What is the magic number that you can, as you just said, lead it, alluded to? So if I would have only beat you by 14, would you have been happy? Or if I only beat you by 10, are you happy then? You know, what's that number? And do you tell your kids, don't, hey, I don't want you to score? Again, there could be some seniors on the team. Mm-hmm. And they, if they can get one or two more goals on their record or on their stats that, you know, some four-year school is looking at them now, why shouldn't they do it? Yeah, you didn't quite make it to the school you wanted to make it because your stats weren't good enough. Well, that's because I laid back against a team that was 15, that, that hadn't won a game all year. What's the magic number? And this is this is what is so frustrating to me is, so we've come to a culture where everyone gets the trophy, right? And I know we're, we're using that term pretty loosely because we know everyone doesn't get a trophy, but it is very much, we, we can't, not give someone a trophy. We need to find ways to every, everyone say you did a good job. Now we've taken it to even such a, another length that we're saying not only does everyone get a trophy, everyone needs to win a game. Now we need to only make it where it's close. What are we teaching people? What are we teaching people that, hey, if you if we're not going to play you unless we know it's going to be close, we're not going to play you unless I know you're only going to beat me by 10. I'm not going to send my kid out there if they're going to be 15 to nothing because now I've got to teach my kid hard things. Like, guess what? You're going to show up to the real job and your boss is going to beat you down and you're supposed to work eight hours, but he's going to make you work 16 because a big project's done. And then when you get done working 16 hours, he's not going to tell you a good job. Yeah, That's what's going to happen in the real world. But instead, we're we're, we're cocooning these, these young kids from any kind of disappointment. And now we're seeing that because I don't even know who this principal or superintendent is, but my guess is he could be young. And he was raised in a situation where, hey, listen, I always got what I wanted when I played. You know, they always made it close. We didn't keep score. There was no scoreboard. And now when I got beat by 15 to nothing, I'm going to raise my flag and go, I'm, I'm unhappy. Well, I'll tell you, early in my athletic career, I was a fan of the blowout. And I didn't care which way it was. In fact, we had one of our basketball teams. There were three guys that were on the team that were part of the 30-30 club. Uh, you didn't get into the game unless we were 30 points up, 30 <laughs> points down, or 30 <laughs> seconds left in the game. Oh, that was it. the That's joke. Awesome. They deemed me as being part of the 50-50 club. Oh. 50-50 clubs, I didn't get into we were 50 points up, 50 points down, or I lost 50 pounds. Those were the <laughs> those were the parameters. So I really didn't care if we were getting blown out or if we were doing the blowout. If I got game time, I was pretty happy. Right, right. But I want to take this beyond this, this concept of is it right or wrong. Okay. Because I, I think that... I think that there are arguments that some people that are even listening right now might have on either side of it. And, yeah. and the truth is, I'm, I'm not really here to argue either way of that. My question is, when it comes to officiating, mm. and we find ourselves in these environments, you know, for those of us walking into the college basketball season, I just said it a minute ago, you got a Division II team against the University of Michigan. Guess what? It's going to be a blowout. Mm-hmm. With, with Michigan's 
30, 30 and 50, 50 people on there, right. it's mm-hmm. still going to be a blowout, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Um, for some of us, we're going to have junior colleges playing four-year schools. We're going to have things like that early in this exhibition season. And we're going to have these moments where somebody may be running up the score and it may even be a little in your face and mm-hmm. attitude and that kind of stuff. How does it change what we do as officials or does it? Well, I think this is a very broad question because we need to really limit what's going on. I can tell you from from the Division One college mm-hmm. aspect, it doesn't. We don't we don't do anything different. You know, if if a team gets offended, and you know, now maybe this is my chance to work on technical fouls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what sure. I mean? I'm not going to change the way the rules are written, and I'm just start arbitrarily enforcing things that you know are not within the rule book. So. At, you know, when you get to a certain level like that, you just you just seem to call them like you see them, basically. And what you know is illegal, you you make sure you penalize that. But now go to the other spectrum of the junior high or the you know little league games or things like that. You know, now you may have to use some discretion. I would say that it's very very slippery slope because not only are you having young kids who I've said you know a number of years ago. We're as officials, we're training, we're training the players, and we're training the coaches, and we're training the fans. So we find ourselves in a fifty-point basketball game, and we let a kid take an extra step or two, and we don't call a travel. What we're doing is we're training a young coach. That's that's not a travel. Mm-hmm. What we're doing is we're training a young player. Oh, I guess I can take three steps. So now we're not helping that situation. Um, I'm not saying that. We can't do that, but you know, let's let's just think about it a little bit. If I have a fifty-fifty play out of bounds, I got a choice between giving it to the team that's up by fifty or down by fifty. Maybe I'll give it to the team down by fifty. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, I'll re- never forget this quote that I used years ago, young in my officiating career, and a ball went out of bounds in the same scenario. Right, one team's up by fifty, very lopsided score. Ball was out of bounds right in front of me, and the fans were right there, and I gave it to the team that was down by fifty. And the fan goes, I think you got that wrong. And I looked at him and I said, you're up by 50. I'm going to take my chances on this one. <laughs> you know? Yep. I mean, there, there needs to be a way for us to be able to handle and help support those games so we don't have bad sportsmanship, we don't have situations like that, but it's not our job to start arbitrarily throwing different rules in there and different judgment. I think there's ways you can do it, you know? Well, and you talk specifically to the Division One level. You know, I, I can say knowing the coordinators that I have, whether it's Division Two, II, Division Three, you know, I, I think one of those things that those coordinators would say is is that if if we still continue to call the rules as written, we're defendable. That's right. They can defend you know, us. We, we we are defendable at that point. Um, if if we decide to let a few things go because oh well they're getting beat by so many and all of a sudden that contact gets a little bit harder mm-hmm. whatever and now we've got an injury mm-hmm. or we've got a fight where now somebody's suspended for the next game that mm-hmm. wouldn't have been a yeah a lopsided opening play. conference game right mm-hmm. um, as a as a coordinator at the NAI level in baseball I'll have some guys tell me well, you know it was a ten point game so I was just trying to find strikes any place I could. Well, now, while I understand that, and I know how frustrating it can be when you're on, you know, three and a half hour long game and mm-hmm. it seems like nobody can find the strike zone, mm-hmm. right? But but it affects. It affects that batter. It affects their approach the next time they come up against somebody that's, you know, that now we're in a, in a tight ball game or whatever. We can never go wrong calling the rules 
has written. Mm-hmm. And it, it, there's a real chance that it'll be not received well either. Yep. It, it, it'll be like, oh, you could have let that go. Yep, I could have. There's no doubt in my mind I could have. Yep. But I'm, as a young official, guess what I'm doing? I'm training myself. Yep. So I'm getting used to calling travels the way I know them to be illegal. So I'm not good enough as a young official to sit there and decide what is legal and what's not illegal and what can I let go and what not. I, I don't. I can't do that. I only can do so many things as a young official. So when you ask a young official to go in and say, hey, here's, here's a seventh grade girls basketball game for you, and if it gets to be a 50-point ball game, I want you to start using your judgment. Huh? They don't have any judgment. They don't have judgment. No. You know, we talked way back in episode three about some of the things that we would do, some nuts and bolts kinds of things. For mentoring, you know, when we're working with newer officials at whatever level. A newer official doesn't necessarily mean that they're brand new new to officiating, but maybe they're new to officiating at the level you're working. Mm-hmm. Could I just suggest that for that that more experienced official, when you're you're coming back to the second half of a scrimmage or, a, or a, an exhibition or, or maybe regular season game where it's already a 25-point ball game at half, one of the greatest gifts that you could give to that newer official on your crew is just coming to him and saying, you know what? We're going to call this half the exact same way we called the first half. I don't want you to change anything. I don't want, Because I've heard the opposite so many times. Oh. And now you take that new official who's already feeling not as sure of themselves because they're at a new level. Mm-hmm. And now you're adding a whole new layer mm-hmm. of uncomfortability to yep. them because they don't know what what I should let go mm-hmm. or what I shouldn't. And now, not only are we teaching and training those those players what's right and what's not, but now I've just trained that coach that they can't trust me. Yep. And it doesn't matter if it's the coach on the losing end or the winning end. Right. If they see what should have been an obvious foul in front of me and I chose not to call it because it was a 35-point ball game, that coach looks at me and says, they don't know what legal guarding position is. Right. They, they don't know what a legal contact is. Yep. You know, they don't know what a flying forearm is. I let it go, you know, whatever that might be. And so I think it's really important for those of us who are more established at whatever levels we're working that we give that gift to newer officials and say, you know what? Hey, if if a coach gets frustrated because we're still calling this stuff with two minutes left, I'll take the heat. Mm -hmm. I'll be the one to go talk to the coach. I'll be the one to settle things down. I just want you to get the reps in. Just keep calling the game you've been calling. Yep, and that's one of the things you could tell the coach. When a coach gets sideways because, you know, your, your partner keeps making calls, you call the game the same way it was the first half, and we're now we're down by 60. Hey, this young official right here, it's his fourth game. Yep. We're, he's still training. You, we can't train him to stop refereeing or him or her. Yep. We can't do that. If we do that, then guess what? This this guy or girl is going to be refereeing this level for the next 15 years. Sure. We, we want them to elevate, and that's one of the ways we can do that. And those are, and you have, I think you've made a great point. These young officials need to know that the veteran officials are there to support them and to help them and to get them through not only that game, but the next week. And, you know, and next time they get a deve- another higher-level game, you know, they, they, they've never made it. You're always a rookie somewhere. Yep. You know, my first Division One game, I may have been Division One, but guess what? I'm a rookie in Division One. Yep. And people forget that. You're not a rookie anymore. I, I'm a rookie somewhere. So mm-hmm. it's been a it's been a while since I've been a rookie, but there's gonna be something that I'm gonna be a rookie at. My first game in a Big Twelve, guess what? I'll be a rookie in the Big Twelve. So And you know, I hear officials and, and it's funny, we do it on both sides, uh, baseball and basketball, even though we couch it in different terms. 
a baseball umpire takes pride in their game time. Mm. Oh man, we finished a nine inning game in two hours and twenty one minutes. Yeah. Well, whoop de doo. Right. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that at the end of the game, you were calling pitches six inches off the plate, strikes, and nobody could hit them. Yeah. And that's how you got the game through quicker, right? Yeah. On the basketball side, we, we brag about the same thing, but we use different terminology for it. We'll say, oh, you know what? We didn't shoot any free throws in the second half. <laughs> right. Right? We got right up to that bonus spot. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. You know? And then it's like, nope, we're not calling anymore. Yeah. If, if, if there's not blood, there's no foul right. kind of thing. And, and I think we need... First of all, yeah. that is totally embarrassing. Sure it is. If you're an official listening to that and you've, you know you've said that, you should be embarrassed. And, and the, the, again, the reason for it is is because it just means that we're focusing on the wrong things. Yep. You know, we, we talk about having game awareness. Yes, I should always know how many fouls there are. Mm-hmm. So I know if we're going to shoot free throws or not. That's right. But in that other part of my brain, I shouldn't I shouldn't have a clue how many mm-hmm. fouls there are. Because yep. if there's a foul in front of me, I should call it. Yep. I absolutely should. And I'm going to say this. when those, those two phrases, baseball and softball, you may think that no one's hearing that, but somebody's hearing it. Yeah. And it's a coach, it's a player, and you wonder why sometimes officials get bad raps. That's why, because they've heard one official say it, so they just assume all of them are saying it. And when all of them are saying it, that's it, we're all bad. And that's it's not a good place to be. Well, and, and it may not be a, a player or a fan or a coach. It, it may be that newer official that hears it mm, yeah. and then says, well, that's how I'm supposed to call it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm not supposed to. I'm not supposed to put anybody on the line in the second half. Right. And we can say, "Oh, that's ridiculous." Everybody knows. No, not everybody knows. Yep. And it's our responsibility to help take care of each other. Yeah, I agree. You know, as we hit stuff like this, let's let's just remember to take care of each other out there. And that doesn't just mean when we're on the field or on the court, but when you're on social media, when you're having those conversations with one another, let's look at ways to learn. Let's look at ways to get better. But we should never be in the position of trashing each other. I mean, if we're going to have an uncommon drive to success, let's not do what everybody else does. That's right. Let's not do what's easy, mm-hmm. but let's do what makes us better all the way around. Yeah, I want to I wanna backtrack just a little bit. I'm going to go back to that soccer game because there's a point that I just remember that I wanted to make. Um, me being an athletic director in, in a small school, and uh, you know, I'm very much involved in scholastic sport, high school sports. Um, if if this team is upset, it, it, I believe the quote was, "There's no business for that in high school sports." We're losing sixteen to nothing. Okay, I'm going to be okay with that, but I'm willing to risk sticking my neck out there, saying if I was at the game. The team that was losing by 16 was dropping F-bombs and cuss words and calling refs everything and calling the other team everything in the book. So don't talk out of both sides of your mouth and say there's no room for that in high school sports. Meanwhile, you let it be like WWE on the sidelines and you know a rated R movie. So what you're could- saying is if you're going to call out sportsmanship by the other team, yep. then you also got to call out sportsmanship on, on your side as well. Mm-hmm. Everything because as, as a and everyone I, I believe everyone thinks like this. I just don't know if they're able to execute it. High school sports should be and is an extension of the classroom. Mm-hmm. So would you allow that kind of temperament in the classroom? Absolutely not. Then we don't allow it on the field. And this is this is what I would challenge every mom and dad who's listening who has maybe a kid who does play sports. Yes, you're not happy losing 60 nothing. Then you've got to look inward first. Am I acting in good sportsmanship right now? 
no, then I got no business saying that there's no, no sportsmanship on their side. Sorry, I had to put that in there. I got you, man. I can just cut it out when I edit it. I'm just joking. Folks, I hope this is beneficial to you. Sometimes it's just good to kind of talk about things that are hitting us, and it just reminds us of uh, how we need to be uh, and uh, and what can make us just a little bit more uncommon. I look forward to being with you again next week. See you guys. Thanks for being a part of the Uncommon Drive podcast. We hope that you will check us out online, that you'll give us a five-star rating, subscribe so that we can share more content like this with you in the future. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.